always, we're ready to tackle a nice big episode here about the Denver Nuggets um, because they are very and a very impressive team, especially with the addition of uh, Aaron Gordon. Um, That fit has seemed to be seamless uh, so far for the most part. But uh, before we dive into that, we got some current events here. First, Adam, Uh, what's going on down there in Oklahoma, man? Oklahoma City today just, uh, I guess, signed some kind of soccer player from <laughs> from Spain, from Real Madrid. His name is Gabriel Deck. I'm not really sure uh, who this guy is, but I've had multiple people tell me that this is a big deal. I guess this has been a big deal that they've signing a soccer player. So that's they must have got their teams mixed up because they got two different kinds. They got two different Real Madrids over there. So I guess if you're really trying there. to tank the ultimate tank, like they were trying to perform uh, with all this draft capital and everything. Like, it just makes me wonder, how is is this even allowed right now? Because I mean, Oklahoma city has some legit NBA players on their team, but at the same time, think about how shunned uh, Sam Presti was Mm -hmm. or not not Sam Presti, um, uh, Sam Hinkie Mm -hmm. for doing the process in Philadelphia. That was the whole thing where, fans were even really wanting to show up to games and all they were doing was basically throwing every game. And I mean, I guess you can't accuse Oklahoma city of doing that. They're just throwing out literally the youngest guys in the nation. Well, and sometimes those guys go out and win a game and you're like, what? Like they haven't been terrible. Ironically, like, yeah, I know they're not as bad as I don't know though, but at the same time, like they're sitting Horford for the rest of the season. Like, Oh yeah. They're tanking. They're They're, intentionally tanking. I mean, you don't go out and get all that draft capital if you're not tanking. Weird. I just, I, I'm surprised Horford was not bought out, but he's getting paid so much money. I don't think they really wanted to do that. Anyways, uh, some other real quick though on Sam Presti. I mean, at this point, considering the three fucking MVPs that he literally drafted, like. We can't fault him for this approach because as of right now, it's proven for him. Whereas like a lot of people can't say that just with approaches in general. You know what I mean? Like this guy has proven yeah. that he knows how to draft. So I'm a, but uh, I'm a give him but credit. But on the other side, yeah. Uh, yeah. Definitely give him credit for it because yes, he's completely changed. Like we've said this before, he's completely changed the landscape of how the NBA is operating these days when it comes to trades. You know, like everybody's like sitting back. It doesn't matter who you have. Mm-hmm. If you think they're a player that's worth someone's future, then you could literally sit back and say two first, two young players. If that other team whatever. wants them bad enough. Exactly. Yeah. So you're put, you can put basically any, the pressure on any team because Oklahoma city has basically made it this way. And it's all because of Sam Presti. But what I was going to say though, was to me, there's a little bit of, panic or like a relentless like drive for Sam Presti to continue to be like the best drafter in the NBA, like the best scouter, like have the best scouting team. Like they're out there getting some, because I mean, they already have some great guys like Alexa Pokachevsky plays yep. for them. Now he doesn't look great right now, but he definitely looks like he'll be a good prospect going forward. Kevin O'Connor shoot. loves po- Pokachevsky or however you say it. Kevin He's O'Connor just like, from the ringer. What does he say about him? He just loves Poco. Poku. Uh, he's re- he him and uh, his co-host. I can't ever remember his name, but uh, him and his co-host really just talk 
they like young, like they like rookies a lot and stuff like that. So they all, they talk about the younger guys a lot to give them attention and shit. Um, but Pope is one European of the guys players. that they're really into. I just I haven't watched any Oklahoma City games myself this season, so I mean I guess I can't really speak to what their quality of players is. I mean we yeah, all know I haven't who watched them really at against all Dort is. So like I don't know they have a good base going forward, and plus they got SGA. Yeah, he's not even playing right now either, but he also sustained an injury of some sort, and he's mm-hmm. out for probably the rest of the season. But but yeah, like. Uh, I think Sam Presti is really just trying to push himself to uh, make sure that he keeps striking gold. Yep. And I mean, we saw this on the trade deadline. They have 17 first round picks and 17 second round picks over like the next, what, eight years? Fucking crazy. That's insane. They're getting yeah. at least two picks in the, in the first round each year. Yeah, it is nuts. But yeah, since we've been away on break here a little bit, um, we've basically gone cold from the entire world here, and that's all right. We need to step back. But um, we've had a couple uh, interesting happenings going on here. Um, off the top of my head, I got a few written down here, but off the top of my head, I can think of the Jazz and the Suns are really starting to pull away. The Lakers, them Lake Show boys, the bench, them bench <laughs> boys pulling out a big win against the Nets. A win? It's so funny, too, because like, they've been so bad. Yeah, I know. They've been unbearable. I've tried but to, to watch play it. I tried to up watch to the that competition and play mm-hmm. up to that challenge. Like that is reassuring for me as a fan. And that's saying oh, something because yeah. I haven't been very assured in them at all this season. Except yeah, like for like that start at the season where they looked like they were just going to gas everyone again out of nowhere. They literally looked like that back. at the start of the season. Like the first like five to six games, it was like, oh my God, it's over again. I'm telling you, when it comes down to eight to five games left in the season for the Lakers, Braun and AD will come back and start playing back in the shape. Uh, we got AD playing- in about two weeks, and Braun supposedly at the end of the month. Not bad. Not that's, bad. That's, yeah, that's what that's we're looking the, at. That's about the same time. Two weeks. That's the twenty yeah, sixth of April. They're both about two. They're both about two weeks. They'll they'll both be coming back about the same time, I bet. They'll probably want to work AD and maybe a little sooner, get him some touches and stuff. But this team's going to be dynamite again. If this was 2016, like- LeBron would already be back from that ankle sprain. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah he had no that shit doubt, taped no up. He'd be out there playing. Arguably, he could have been back already. Oh, no. he Don't you think so? That's He's he's had little sprains like this before. And, and granted, apparently this one was pretty bad, but he's always come back like way quicker than he's supposed to. But that's also because he's a freak in nature. So that's oh, a whole yeah. other conversation, which we've all had and continue to have because it's a fucking marvel to watch. But <laughs> uh, the other big, uh, big news was Alex Rodriguez, um, apparently now entering a deal to purchase the Timberwolves, the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, a lot of speculation that he's going to move the team to Seattle because this is where he uh, started his career and baseball was in Seattle. Um, but allegedly the guy that's selling the team, uh, Glenn Taylor. Has, yeah, yeah. He's always, um, he's always put in a stipulation in these deals that the team can't leave Minnesota. I don't know if that's still current. Um, I don't know what's going to happen, but I believe that it is. I believe that's still, a current I would think thing, so. I too. think I saw some about that actually the other day. Um, it's interesting to see the Timberwolves get sold because there's been like a crusade over the past like 15 years where Kevin Garnett has tried to make it public 
that he wanted to buy the Timberwolves after his playing career was over. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, with like the valuation of NBA teams, like absolutely skyrocketing over the past 10 years where, yeah, at one point it probably was feasible for Kevin Garnett to become a majority shareholder in the Minnesota Timberwolves, you know, by like 45% of the team. Mm-hmm. And that way he's the owner. <laughs> now you got to have a group. You can't, you have to have an investing group to be able to get together to buy a sports team. These well, days he, he did have a group back. with him on multiple of the times that he tried to go for it, but it just always fell through. Yeah. Him and Glenn Taylor were never going to come together on a deal because they have beef and they've always had beef because mm-hmm. Glenn Taylor's always owned the Timberwolves. I'm pretty sure. Right. So, I mean, it's just, and Rodriguez is going happen. in with a partner too. Oh yeah. It's like him and a couple other people. So yeah, it's, so, yeah, it's I mean, definitely not, their own all their own money you know but i bet cuban is <laughs> yeah right oh my god but, uh, but yeah so it's rules. gonna be like a multi-year process i guess they're gonna have a transition period i guess where rodriguez is gonna kind of be learning under this guy as well and that's another reason that probably won't leave minnesota um because it sounds like you know rodriguez probably values this guy's um knowledge that he has and everything uh mm-hmm. but like his organization is trash right now. So I guess what oh, knowledge yeah. is there really? <laughs> but uh, not to slide the guy completely, but come on, man, that team. Oof. Yeah. If I was going to be entering the NBA, the absolute last team I'd want to play for is the Minnesota Timberwolves. Right. Oh my God. Like, there's nothing appealing about that team. How to me salty are they about Jimmy been. Butler at this point? Oh, extremely. <laughs> they put it behind them. Because you know what? They should be salty. And you know yep. what? They should also be ashamed of themselves. They should be ashamed of Cat. They should be ashamed of Cat and Wiggins. For still. being for being weak <laughs> and not being able to keep up with him, dude. Because at this point, like when all these rumors were coming out, I was only reading what was being said. And I really wasn't thinking about what was going on. So you know, my immediate reaction was, oh, Jimmy Butler is a massive asshole. That's all it is. Jimmy Butler's just a dick and he walks into practice thinking he's the hot shit and whatever. No, because now that we know what Jimmy Butler has done in Miami, they have a, they have a, we've talked about heat culture every single time we talk about the Miami heat on this podcast. The heat culture is you get in, put your head down, you go to work and you work just as hard as the guy that's next to you. And you play defense. That's what Jimmy Butler, yeah, and you play defense and that's what Jimmy Butler wanted. That's what he wanted. And that's what he wanted in Philadelphia too, but it didn't fly there either. Mm Mm-hmm. So, well, and yeah. there was obviously issues with Embiid not be reaching his full potential at that time too, in a lack of effort. I mean, that was clear. So, like, he probably got a little pissed off about that too. Yeah, but like, they probably went back and forth a little bit. But Jimmy and Embiid are boys. They're yeah. boys. Well, you've seen their interactions since then, and you can tell they are. Uh, but yeah, I don't want to get too long winded on that because obviously we have um a decent little bit here to talk about Denver, but. Interesting, nonetheless, uh, for Alex Rodriguez to dip his toes into the NBA world and uh, become an owner there. So we'll see how it goes. Maybe he can turn that franchise around. Uh, they have been on a hot streak as of late with a few wins, uh, <laughs> like Towns and uh, Edwards kind of have this weird connection going, like this chemistry. Uh, Russell's been coming off the bench and scoring decently as well. So. Uh, it's interesting what's going on over there. So we'll see over the next couple of years what happens. If the Timberwolves but, win a game, then they're on a hot streak. They win one game, they're on a hot oh, streak. Oh, yeah, yeah, they're feeling crazy. <laughs> they had a big win over the Bulls, I think it was, the other night. And it oh, was uh, the anniversary of Cat's death, um, Cat's mom's death, I think. Oh. So, But he went off and shit and scored a bunch of points. And so that's cool for him and whatnot. 
But speaking of the Bulls, real quick, uh, Zach Levine dropped. Levine dropped. Jesus Christ, dude! Say his name. I know, I know, <laughs> I know. Like I brought up last time, Zach Levine dropped fifty points last week, and then Jason Tatum also dropped fifty three points. Um, these are just my little notes here. Something to get your jaw dropped a little bit here. The Houston Rockets have won three times since February 11th. Can you believe Talk that? about the tank. Can you believe that? They are so bad. Yeah, they're bad. Three times since February 11th. I forget what I was watching the other day, but that's what I heard. And he was like, so the announcer had said something like, yeah, and Houston's three wins since February 11th. And I'm like, you're kidding me. I want to I want to finish it with Houston real quick before, so we can jump into Denver but I do want to ask this question about it. What do you think they thought was going to happen with Oladipo? Because they did offer him the extension and he turned it down. What was that? I bet they thought that Oladipo was going to be not on this Miami hype train that they probably thought this was rumors. And he had had time to rehab and he seemed like he was being going to be a good player again at the beginning of the season for Indiana. He seemed like he was kind of like, you know, playing himself in a good shape again and seemed like he was going to be absolutely not absolutely balling out, but you know what I mean? Just a good piece for them. Right. Like he had had been the, the entire time he played for him, but it's just like, I think they just had built themselves up on this presumption that he was just going to show up and play hard for them and ball out. Because I mean, on paper, you look at a backcourt of John Wall and Victor Oladipo and you think, Oh, well that could actually be good. And like, they still had all the, all their other pieces at the time too. They have Eric Gordon, uh, house PJ Tucker and like, uh, Ben McLemore, you know, all those guys that had played for the successful teams and they had Christian Wood now too. So, I don't really see how bad that team could have really been. I mean, okay, like they probably weren't going to make the playoffs, but they could have made a push for it. And I don't know. I think that the Houston Rockets really thought that they were going to reload instead of rebuild. And that's why they wanted the draft picks first. They wanted the draft picks from that Harden trade and they wanted to be able to do a hard reset and basically get their footing back underneath of them. But I bet they thought that they were going to have a bit better footing than they really did because if Wall and Oladipo was going to work out and it's kind of seemed like they're going to, but John Wall has not been very good this year, even though he's scoring points, even though he's getting to the basket, it looks fast. He's not been, he's like 79% John Wall, you know? And I just, I think that that's what they really wanted out of that whole situation. So they offered to Oladipo thinking that he's going to be able to push them a little bit further than what all these rookies that they have are going to be able to do. And now you look at them, they're bare bones. They're starting Bradley, Avery Bradley and Kelly Olenek. And like, they just look terrible. It's like they have no direction. Kevin yeah. Porter. Yeah. Kevin Porter Jr. Right. He's playing for them a lot too. Like, I don't they, know. They it's look just, bad. It's bad. Sad. Well, I mean, sad when you end. win three times since February 11th, that's pretty damn bad. <laughs> you know what? Fuck them though. Honestly. Don't you kind of feel like fuck for fuck that organization? I feel like fuck their owner for Tita. No, I just think I in like, general. I don't know. I don't like, like the culture. I don't like the culture of that organization. I bet that culture wasn't great either. And you know what? All these years of evidence had showed us that Harden, even though he was the king of Houston more than any other professional athlete in the city, like 
he, so many guys joined up with him and left and wanted out. Even even Russ, Ru- Russ and Harden are like best friends, and Russ wanted to deuce after one season on Harden's ship. Like, I don't know. Like that's that's pretty telling to me. Chris Paul. I mean, Chris Paul is annoying, and I mean, Chris Paul is an all time great player. I'm not going to keep him out of that distinguishment. He is annoying like, now. He is annoying to me. He's very <laughs> like. He seems like Chris Paul seems like he would be the teacher's pet. Yep. Don't you think Dude, so? Dude, he rats like, on people for their jerseys being untucked and shit. Like, yeah, come on, man. Yeah. Like, Chris Paul does all this, like, stupid stuff. Like, his, him, uh, it was funny, but, like, he did the, uh, he smiled in Chris, or Steve Kerr's face mm-hmm. and walked away and sh- showed he was doing a fake smile. Like, did you hear him? He was drinking know. Chris's secret stuff the other night, too. Who Rondo was? I saw that Rondo was. Yeah. Oh, I thought, I thought it was Chris Paul. I had that mixed up. He was too. That's hilarious. Yeah. I don't know. Like, it's just our listeners know how we feel about Houston. Like, I don't know. I had somewhat of a soft spot for them because they played an experimental style of basketball last season, Mm -hmm. but we all knew it was going to fail for that to work. It was going to have to come out hard and fast and they were going to have to put hundred percent effort in every single game they played. There was like a 10 minute moment where I was like, yeah, yeah, that's going to be fucking awesome. And then I was like, wait, Who's, yeah, because the who's first game that the Pocket Rockets played. Yeah, and like the first game that they played against the, the Pocket Rockets played was against the Lakers, remember, in the regular season, and they beat him. Yep. And like Robert Covington had like five or six blocks against Anthony Davis. And like, I don't know. That's just a confusing time. So yeah, I'm exactly like not... I'm not a fan of the Houston Rockets. So like, right. at least anymore, I tried to be. Well... We'll end it on that for current events. Uh, we'll go ahead and dive in here to uh, to this discussion about the Nuggets. And I'm just going to start it with this. And honestly, I think this might be the name of the episode, man. Denver is real. This team is real. is real. Yep. I agree. That's, that's my opinion. I think a lot of people real. would agree with that. But this is a real team. So I was trying to think of a question for you earlier in this week, and I kept coming back to this. Do you think, besides the obvious teams that have the big superstars, do you really see another team that's as playoff ready as this Denver Nuggets team is? No, because I don't see another team with a fucking unicorn like Jokic. Embiid. It's not the same. It's it's it's, it's, it's different. Same, Embiid though. is different. I'm not gonna slight the man, but Embiid will take 35 shots. Yo, yeah. This uh, speaking of which, Jokic, a 41st pick from the draft, mind you. This man was a 41st pick. He's averaging 18 shots a game, and that is a career high for him. 26 points, 11 rebounds, nine assists, 57 from the field, 42 from three. 60 from two, a 61% uh, effective field goal percentage on 35 minutes played. The dude's not even playing that many minutes. He's not even taking that many shots. But he's putting up fucking ridiculous numbers and his value and what he brings to that team offensively. Almost everything is run through Jokic. Almost every single action, almost every every single set. I would just, I'll go out of limb and say everything is practically like it's, it's kind of insane, honestly, because, um, 
I watched the first like the first half of the Denver Nuggets Boston Celtics game that just happened on Sunday and no Murray. So Jokic was just bringing up the ball every single possession and um he didn't take his first shot until like the first like it was like three and a half or four minutes into the game because he was bringing the ball up every single time. Um, <laughs> Nine assists as a center. Yeah, like he's he has amazing passing vision. He's always trying to get guys to move in motion with him to get them set up because what's crazy about his passes is that so, like 70% of the time, they're really not that outrageous but they're perfect, you know, mm-hmm. like they're just perfectly placed pass, sensible passes that not only lets hit someone that's open, but guides them to be open as well and yep. guides them into better position as long as they just do nothing, but completely either shoot or drive. Yeah. As long as you catch and drive, you're in the perfect position to score because he leads just- people so well. Exactly. Like it's just an extension of his like his thinking every time he passes the ball because he wants you to move in symphony with where where he is throwing these passes to. So it's just it's impressive. And like there sh- there is absolutely no reason why he shouldn't be bringing up the ball every single time for the for the Nuggets because he's one of the best in the league at it and he's 6'11 and he's been way more in shape this year from the jump. Yeah, he looks great. He definitely is a lot more in shape. The dude is the clear favorite for the MVP at this point, and it shouldn't even be a yeah. debate. I mean, it's not even a conversation anymore. No, it shouldn't be because he's played more games than any other MVP candidate, and he's showing out every single night. I don't think that he's really had a terrible night yet this season. And his numbers look amazing, too. I think it's just amazing that I have a three-point percentages for both Jokic Murray and Michael Porter Jr. Granted, Michael Porter Jr. got one of 12 from three last last night. And um, his percentage, I believe, got brought down to 42%. But he's shooting 42%. Murray's shooting 41 And Jokic is shooting 43 mm-hmm. Yeah, just, when I took him the other day, Jokic was at 42 Murray was still at 41 And uh, Porter Jr. Porter Jr. was shooting 44 the other night when I had yeah. stats down. And then he went one for 12 against Boston. Oof. Boston has like, there's two teams that have Denver's Achilles Hill this season. Boston and Sacramento. Hmm. The weirdest. I just think it's because they're small teams. They're small teams that have a lot of shifty forwards and guards. And like, it's just, it seems to be hard for Denver to keep up with that. Well, and then the Denver's not the best defensive team overall. Uh, I think when they're locked in, they play pretty good team defense and positional defense. But, you know, Michael Porter Jr. is a young player. He's not very smart on that end of the floor. Jokic is obviously way, 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 way more offensive-minded. There's not much there on defense other than being a big body. Um, So, yeah, I think those super small, quick teams can kind of just, you know, maybe kind of just blow them off the court a little bit. Um, Yeah. They're shifty, like you said. Uh, Aaron Gordon, I'm not going to not uh, throw some light his way. Uh, 14.6 rebounds, four assists, uh, 58% from the field. Uh, numbers from three aren't great. You want to see that come up. It's at 27% right now. Uh, but he's still doing 70% from two. And he has a 62% effective field goal percentage. Uh, Porter Jr. is at 64, by the way. 
Um, like I said before, Jokic 61, Murray 56. So these guys, their effective field goal percent percentage, which is one of the most telling stats about a shooting percentage. Mm-hmm. That's impressive. I mean, th- they could be dropped now. Obviously, Porter Jr.'s probably isn't there because he went one for 12 the other night. That's going to bring <laughs> that down pretty hard. It's uh, pretty damn bad. But yeah, I mean, that that those those are high numbers for effective field goal percentage in four of your starting men there. So, yeah, Will this, Barton's this, been playing hard too, man. Yeah, he hasn't been bad. I mean, I don't know. If you uh, get some... Uh, Opinions from Denver Nuggets fans online. He's been pretty bad this season for them, but I don't know. I don't know if I completely trust that. Uh, but speaking of trust, just, I don't know yeah. how many times I have to say this. I trust this team more than Utah. I trust this team more than the Clippers. I trust this team oh, more wow. than Phoenix. Oh, way more than Phoenix. And that's even with the playoff history of both the, or at least last year's playoffs. Oh, with especially with last year's playoffs. Clippers. It's like we're supposed to forget that Utah exploded like we've brought this up over and over again but i think it's important because i it's like people forgot <laughs> oh, yeah but but you know what it is ben they can outshoot the uh 2015 16 the golden state warriors so here. that's and they look like the uh, the spurs of old no that is not the beautiful <laughs> game get out of here they're trying they're trying to um i believe i saw a stat just not right. even half an hour ago <laughs> damn no don't bury Don. <laughs> <laughs> don't bury Don, man. I was actually about to criticize him though because uh, he has, I think it was like the third lowest effective field goal percentage in the clutch against uh, above 500 teams. That doesn't sound so, like a team. That doesn't sound like a guy who's going to win playoff games. Yeah, but he has won playoff games before and you know who he was beating in the playoffs, rookie and sophomore seasons? Who's that? Paul George and Russell Westbrook. Well, we know, Paul, both we know how Paul George is in the postseason. No, I know Paul George just craps the bed in the playoffs. It doesn't even. Oh my god! It's like he doesn't guy. even show up. I don't even. He drinks Paul too much George coffee anymore. and he gets scared. I don't respect him anymore. I don't respect him or Kawhi, man. I, I still respect Kawhi. I, but don't. I don't respect PG at all. Yeah. Well, He's hey, let's not so get too off topic. We'll we'll stick to Denver. We can trash on the Clippers all the time. Um, but <laughs> yeah, we I, have. I trust this team way more than those guys. Yeah, I trust them too. And it's because like, I think that Michael Malone specifically wants this team to be in a mindset where they're like, guys, that we play playoff basketball. We play playoff basketball. And they play, they don't play exactly fast, but they're always playing very like high IQ. They're playing good team defense. Like you said, they're playing together and they're taking the best shots that are coming up to them. But I bet you not more than anything. Something that worries me about Michael Porter jr. Is he can get offensive rebounds here and there. And that's impressive, but you know what he does with them instead of going up, this man is huge. He has a huge wingspan. He's just a, big guy. Granted, he's not like he doesn't have a lot of pounds on him, but like he can get those offensive rebounds. He should be putting the ball back up, dunking, finishing in traffic, trying to get and one if he can off of a putback. Yep. This guy likes to get the ball and sprint, turn around, sprint to the three point line mm-hmm. and put up a shot. And I'm just like, why are you doing this? Like, it looks ridiculous to me. 
he did it just the other night too. Like he got like a re like a long rebound about 10 feet away from the basket. As soon as he touched the ball, turned right back around, sprinted to the three point line. Granted, he made the shot, but I was like, why is he doing this? Yeah. No, like, he, can he, he really he, keep doing that. He's not the smartest player. Like, it's just like, okay, yeah, you make that shot and especially you're going to make that shot in the regular season, but you're going to get closed out on hardcore in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Like you're going to have to be really trying. And we saw him last year in the him. playoffs. And remember, cause he took a couple of like uh head scratchers against like LeBron and mm-hmm. AD from three. And you were just like, this he, likes guy, to, he likes to pull up deep. Yeah, I know. I know. And it's like, his shooting form is odd to me too because like he doesn't have that quick of a release. Mm-mm. He kind of holds the ball in midair for a little bit. Like he kind of like he jumps and floats and holds the ball like above his head and then like it's almost like he aims a bit. And I don't know, like he's probably trying he's, a little bit too hard. <laughs> he's trying a bit too hard. I mean, he's yeah, young, probably. dude. Yeah, yeah, he's young and like he probably is definitely trying a bit too hard, but at the same time, it's like it almost doesn't look natural for him. Yeah, he needs to find it. He needs to find more of a groove and be more comfortable. But I will say, I think that they're starting to get along better as a team with him a lot better as of late. Agreed. You can see it on the court, man. When I was watching their games against the Spurs, like you could see it. Like they were just like, there's more respect like there. Passing him the ball, like yeah. more like there's more respect there, and that's that's gonna help in the long run. And you know what's crazy about all of this? If we have all this criticism to pass on to him about his because like I would say that he has the mo- the, the greenest light in the league besides Jordan Clarkson. Both those guys are told to go out there and shoot the ball and mm-hmm. shoot the hell out of the ball and drive. The thing is. He's at 17 points per game this season on 54% from the field, yep. 42% from three. Yep. He's a great scorer. Mm-hmm. That is so much promise. He's at 61 from, from two alone. when I looked at it too. 61% from two. That's absolutely crazy. If mm-hmm. he has that much to like, if that's what his offensive game is going to be at its most baseline, then this guy's got so much potential and he could have an offense built around him at some point. Yeah, at some point, but he should also stay in Denver and win some chips and keep growing. <laughs> so uh, that offense will always be created around Jokic. But I will say this, uh, Denver right now, number 17th rated defense, which isn't great. Um, there's definitely room for improvement there. But like I said, I think when they're locked in, they play pretty good positional and team defense, uh, I think, especially mm-hmm. in a post-setting situation. Uh, I remember Murray being a dog on the defensive end in the bubble last year, especially mm-hmm. against the Lakers, um, trying really hard. So that's what's going to have to come into play. And then Aaron Gordon, of course, is going to have to anchor that defense because he's obviously the most apt in that uh, field. But do you um, really think that's what he needs to be? Do you really think that he can do that? Like, I don't think that's what I he abs- solely needs to be, but I think he needs to set a tone. Yeah, as a shot blocker yeah. and as 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 a beast, you know what I mean? Because he's got a big body. He's gonna be who do you think is gonna be banging with Kawhi and PG? I mean, it sucks. They're gonna have to send Gordon at him, and then like, I don't know though because I'm not the most well versed person on Aaron Gordon because he's been hiding in Orlando for the past like seven seasons. So the only thing I really know about Aaron Gordon is that he's an athletic freak. So 
My question to our listeners is, is this guy good defensively? Like, should he really be that counted upon in the playoffs for this Denver Nuggets team? Because yes, like I think that if he can really lock in, then why not? Why can't anybody be a good? I think he's going to. And you had mentioned his three, his threes look a little bit flat. His jumper doesn't really look that good. And I don't really expect him to be able to space the floor all that much in the playoffs. No, but what he's going to score and what looks the best and what's been so goddamn impressive is him cutting and just fucking getting fed from Jokic though. And that's all you need from him. You need him to play defense and you need him to cut and run some rolls. Get I mean, a, what else? Get a what wide, else? wide open three in the corner. Yeah, he need, I mean, the, the three number, the threes number need to come up. But I don't need to see this guy fucking turn around on mid ranges. I don't. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't want to no. see that. No, because yeah, like his foot speed and lateral quickness, he's going to be able to cut across the lane on anybody. I want to see him slamming. <laughs> I know he's insane. He has been though, dude. Like that's what's been effective is is him cutting hard and slamming at home. I just hope he finds a good role here, and this is like Denver's just locked in on this group. I don't think they do that trade if they didn't have the prior notion and discussion with him that hey, this is somewhere that I want to be and grow with. Yeah, true. Yeah, because he did say that he wanted out. Yeah, I don't that's think crazy, this is. Yeah. I don't think they're renting Aaron Gordon. This ain't a rent. This is this is gonna be they're locking in with Murray, Gordon, Jokic. The rest is to be determined after this season. We'll see how this season goes, in my opinion. Um this number four rated offense, though, man. They're up there. Oh, and actually with the other day when I initially took these notes, they were number three. Um, and they were number sixteen also in defense, but they dropped one in both of those because of that fucking Boston game was rough. <laughs> yeah. But uh number four in the Western Conference. I think they'll make it to about the three seed if it's possible. Mathematically, I don't know what the numbers are, but but I think they're pretty close to the Clippers um, in terms of record. The Clippers have been kind of on a hot streak here lately. And, oh God, you know what? That, I'm sorry, I have to say this in my mind. Um, a lot of people are saying that the Lakers are going to project it to be at the five seed come the end of the play, or come playoffs time. And if Denver decides that they are going to be able to hop over Los Angeles four in the five seed play in the first round of the playoffs. Oof. You know what that means? Oh, Clippers Lakers in the first rounds. Oh man. God, could you imagine AD That's and LeBron rough. better come ready? Oh, but, but if it's yeah, playoff but, P that series over in my, in my opinion, if we get another yep. pandemic P it's over Paul, Paul George pandemic. is going to have to be great for them to beat the Lakers. Yep. And they're going to have to show that this hot shot fly boy pass it around the three. Like, you know, Kawhi's not doing that alone. No. Kawhi's not even taking LeBron alone, in my opinion. So he's definitely not taking down AD and LeBron alone. No. It's, it, I don't know. Kawhi is so strange to me. But we have some pivotal performances here for the Nuggets that we can look over here. Something that yeah. really tells us about what kind of team they are. So the most important series that I think that they've played so far this season is against the Phoenix Suns. They've had two and one against the Suns. They played two back-to-back games against them. Both went to overtime, crazily enough. Um, within those, those two wins, Murray, 22 points per game. Jokic, 30 points per game. 16 rebounds per game. 
Seven assists. Oof. Guys balling out against the Suns. Yep. I think if they get matched up in the playoffs, they're going to eat the Suns alive. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, Chris Paul can do all this cute stuff on offense and get everybody going and, you know, step up in the clutch and everything like he does. But I like, I hate to be this critical, but how much do you even trust Devin Booker? I mean, prove he hasn't proven anything and he's never been to the playoffs. So he hasn't really proven anything in that environment. Right. Yeah. That's, that's exactly and what I was thinking too. Like Chris Paul's never made it that all the way, man. Yeah, but he's been close. Chris he's never Paul's been to been a conference pretty, final. Yes, he has. He played in the conference finals against uh, the Clippers. I've never been to the conference finals, but right. Chris Paul made it with the Rockets in that's 2017, right. 17, right. 18. Yeah. When that first up. year they were together, oh, they were so close. Yeah. They were so close to beating him. And then that next year was when the, scoreless Curry first first half happened and then they blew up from that too. But yeah, Chris Paul got hurt hamstring injury in 17-18. They could have taken down the Warriors. Could have another one coming down the pipe. Yeah, Chris Paul's not making it back. So I'm sorry. I The Suns are not making it to the conference finals. They're not. That's a team I could see getting bounced in the first round. Unfortunate for them. Me but too. I won't discredit what they've done this season. Neither will I. And I feel that same way about the Jazz. I don't think that the Jazz are making the conference finals either. And if either of these teams do, I will literally eat my words. Mm-hmm. But agreed. Like, we'll make that like, a pact. There's no- <laughs> I'll be right there at the table eating them, Brad. I'll be eating my words. Like, how do you not, though? Because I just don't believe in either of these teams yet, especially with what they're going up against. I don't even think the Suns could beat the Clippers. Yeah, I don't. I don't even think Paul George necessarily has to be great for that series. I think Paul George could be like above average, and then just stylistically, yeah, I don't think they do either. It's just I don't know, like something about the Suns. Maybe I need to watch more of their games or something. But nothing about them to me just screams contender. It seems like they're all juiced up on the fact that they got thirty-six-year-old Chris Paul on their team, like. Okay, like (laughs) he's, I feel like it's destined for him to get either hurt or at least injured and play him through an injury in the playoffs. It happens every season, except for last season because he only played seven games. So I mean like, that's okay. I'll just go on a little spiel. So the Nuggets here, they have... I, they don't exactly have a clear path to the conference finals, I would say, because I feel like we're getting ready to see a Nuggets Mavericks matchup in the playoffs. I want that. <laughs> I want it too. I want the, I want Jokic and Luka to go at it, man. Yeah, because that's all that game will be. I feel like is them just trying to throw punches, and that's all it's ever been in the regular season. It's going to be Euro ball to the punches. max, dude. Oh, I'd love it. Um. I don't know. Just Denver, like they they fought hard. They fought the hardest that we've seen. Basically, almost anyone fought fight in the last few playoffs. Like outside of, I guess, the Miami Heat last season too. But they just—I don't know. Like this team to me just seems like when it comes down to it, they're going to be playing playoff basketball at a higher level than at least most of the field is going to be playing at, and it's just going to be hard to beat for anybody. 
Um, I guess it comes down to me is the fact that, I mean, is Michael Porter Jr. going to be playing up to par? Is he going to be completely healthy? And like, it, I don't know. Like, I, I guess is Aaron really Gordon really going to be that impressive? That's a yeah, question. Is Aaron Gordon going to be that impressive? Is could Jokic have a slump? Could he get hurt in the playoffs? I don't even want to say it to make it, <laughs> put even put it out there. But Jokic or Murray gets hurt. That it's those are, those are the two guys. That's your dynamic, incredibly impressive offensive duo that's going to carry you. And when it comes down to it, that's the play that they're running at the end of games. Murray and Jokic pick and roll. Yeah, like, that's, that's the Murray. The Murray Jokic connection is ridiculous. That's something that I had in my notes. Uh, remember, we were talking about they're like 123 points per 100 possessions yeah. when they're on the floor together, uh, which yeah. is unreal. Um, and that's where this trust really comes in for me uh, on this team is Jokic and Murray's connection. And say what you want about Murray during the regular season, but honestly, there's quite a few players you can look at and kind of criticize what they do in the regular season compared to what they do in the playoffs. Um, and yes, it's a small sample size in terms of uh, the playoffs because it was really the bubble last year that really put Murray on the map. I mean, he had the year before too where mm-hmm. they did pretty good, but it's like the bubble is what really changed the game for him. Oh, yeah. And that chemistry that they have together, that pick and roll, it's just so seamless. And I, Murray's a great passer too, dude. That little behind the back he does to feed it back to Jokic off the roll is fucking nasty. Um, <laughs> guys can't ever seem to see that it's coming. Um, and he just fucking wings it out of there out of nowhere. And now Jokic has the ball and good luck because when he, he's rolling, bro, there ain't no one in his way. Um, oh, yeah. He always like fucking brings it home pretty hard. So when he goes for a dunk, because it's not something he always does. Uh but yeah, they they their connection is unmatched. Yeah, I I agree. Like that, like we know that there's so many great duos in the NBA, like Bam and Jimmy, uh, LeBron and AD, Curry and Thompson, Curry and Green, like you know Tatum and Brown. Like, but I just feel like there's no more like natural and pure duo than Jokic and Murray. There's just something about these two that's just. <laughs> any team playing them in the playoffs this year is going to be shaken a little bit, at least a little bit, because when you're facing that duo, they're going to be hard to shut down unless they're not completely ice cold. Mm-hmm. And then if they are ice cold, or at least they're not getting all of theirs, they're turned to two guys that are really going to be able to score. And that's Gordon's going to be able to get at least something. Murray's got to have guy. a three ball going for them to make a far, a, a deep pushing in. I don't know. Murray Murray's three ball is impressive, yes, and it does get them going sometimes, but Murray's he's a fantastic pull-up mid-range shooter too. But what was he like, doing when he was uh coming back in all those games against Utah and the Clippers? He was hitting those fucking big threes three. off the screen, man. Yep. Yep, he was icing every single big three. They were oh running they were running screens for him up on the perimeter and he was just coming off that shit and fucking waxing. Now you can don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure he was shooting high forty percent in the the bubble from three. It looked like it. The eye test passes. <laughs> <laughs> he, I swear, like I have never seen a player's shooting form look more clean than Jamal Murray's in the bubble last season. And I'm being hundred percent honest. Like his shooting form looks so locked in and good. And Jokic just was right there too. Both those guys just looked like they were completely ready. 
it was, we gush about it so much, but it was just so impressive to watch this team play together like this. And now that we know what the cards are for them, I'm ready to see it again. And it's hard for me to really look at any of their matchups here. I've got a few more matchups for them actually. Um, Against the LA teams, both the Clippers and Lakers, they're two and two. So they went 500 against them, which is what it is. No, it's not bad. Um, They're one and one versus Utah. I'm guessing that's just a home and away. And then they've beat Philly both times. And then, like I've said before, 0 and three versus Boston, 0 and three versus Sacramento. Just two odd teams to be losing to. Mm -hmm. Two teams that are definitely not having great seasons. And they're not going to have to worry about those teams in the postseason. So ultimately, it don't matter. No, yeah, definitely. But I think this two and two versus both Los Angeles teams is impressive because they've taken a win off of both of them. Granted, Mm -hmm. they did lose the other matchup, but at the same time, like this team, these this team against those two Los Angeles teams is going to be able to thrive. And I it's think good for that, mentality too. You don't want to go into the postseason having to face either of those, those teams in any round of the playoffs and having lost both games against, against them during the season. You know what I mean? That gives the other and, team an edge mentally. And like the, the nuggets were a game winning shot from Anthony Davis away from being the only team to put two games on the Lakers last se- last postseason anyways, besides the heat. And that was the next round. So the Nuggets arguably could have had a lot more, <laughs> could have had a lot more ground to cover than what they got from the Lakers series. But yeah, I think both LA teams are worried about this team. Possibly, I don't want to say as much as Brooklyn because no one's, everyone's worried about Brooklyn. Yep. And you should be. And I had that yeah. in my notes. I'm like, you should be worried about Brooklyn, but that becomes an interesting matchup because both of these teams are extremely offensive minded. Yeah, like so. And if you if they do make it out, that's an day. interesting finals. Yeah, it is an interesting finals, and like, I don't know though that that's a crazy matchup because one Murray is guarding either Harden or Kyrie, and then. I don't know. Like, you got to put Gordon on KD. Brooklyn wins that series in six. I don't know. It just all depends on what kind of shape the Nuggets are going to be in going into the playoffs. Depends on and what shape I hope Brooklyn's going to be, too, like, quite uh, frankly. Yeah. And Brooklyn's playing really well right now, too. Like, I, one of my notes here was that they are thriving. I think they said that they were like 18 and five in their last like 23 games or something. Are they? Because so Kyrie is taking more personal days and freaking hardens out right now. I don't know, man. I'm not sold on this. Kevin Durant's just now coming back after not playing with his team, basically like at all this season, like the same concerns you could have about the Clippers chemistry last year. You can have about this team's chemistry as well. Yeah. And I thought that wasn't going to be a concern after the first few games we saw with all of them together. But as the season progressed, it's still a concern because they've been in and out. Kyrie is a head case still. (laughs) Like, I don't know. But I still think they're coming out the East. Here's our last five games for the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, They lost to Los Angeles. They lost to the Pelicans. Or they beat the Pelicans. They beat New York. Lost to Chicago. And then beat Charlotte. Mm -hmm. So... 
arguably that's two bad losses. You lost to you lost to Chicago and you lost to Los Angeles, a gutted Los Angeles team. So I don't know. I don't want to count the Nets out at all because of who they are and who they have. And uh, I was going to say, uh, criticizing our group chat here, uh, somebody had brought up about how the Nets were going to not be able to guard in the post and letting Andre Drummond just feast in the post and get these all these like post-up opportunities. <laughs> if I'm the Nets, I'm letting that be my, the play that happens every single time. I live Granted, with we're that. We're not seeing it. Yeah. And I think I that was one of the few games that seemed like Andre Drummond's handle actually was serving him a little well because mm-hmm. he was able to really size up in the post really well. He was able to hit and, like two dribbles and get position. Yeah, like, I don't know. Feeding off of Anthony Davis and Drummond is going to be crazy for the for the Nets to even try to keep up with because they're going to get absolutely dominated in the paint. But I mean, they have... And that's what I'm worried about is like... For their players. Now that AD has Drummond, who essentially just really bangs down low and tries to throw in that little jump hook or tries to slam it or get a rebound and put it back in. Like, is that going to make AD get too comfortable with trying to be KD and not be aggressive Ugh, enough? I hope not. I you know what I mean? It's going to be like, well, I don't yeah. have to do that now because I got drumming there. I could be, I could be a power forward. And it was working last playoffs because you know who his matchup in the finals was? Bam out of bio. Bam is a great defender and everything, but he's not. Bam's 6'8, six, 6'9. Six, AD is seven foot. Mm-hmm. Has to be, you know, 6'10, six, 6'11. Six, like he's huge. This man is humongous. He's got huge arms. He can beast in the paint whenever he wants to. He should be down his the low. Fucking block. shoulders are huge. And to see this guy literally try to do this little baseline fade. Every third shot in the playoffs is like, what are you doing? It's wet though, dude. <laughs> it it's is. wet. It is. It is. But at the same time, you're like, dude. I know. Get There's times the when block. he does it when it's not what I would like him to be looking for. It's 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 irritating when he's doing it when he should be being aggressive. But let's not get too long winded on these other teams, <laughs> man. We gotta we gotta stay focused on Denver. Uh, but it's but this is Denver's situation though. This is true. This is who Denver. I bet sees their contemporaries as the Lakers, the the Nets. They see themselves in that same space because they know that they're contenders and they know that they're at the top of the West, the best conference in the NBA, and has been for the past fifteen years, competing at a high high level. Exactly, they're competing competing at a high level. Everybody was kind of worried about them, us included, at the beginning of the season because they seem tired and they seem fatigued from the bubble. But now, like, I feel like anything that anybody has to say about bubble fatigue is completely out of the question. Everybody's in shape. Everybody knows who they are. Everybody's competing. Everybody is on the same level now because you're this far into the season. There's no bubble fatigue anymore. It's gone. And, you know, when they brought in a new piece like that, too, they made a change that they wanted to make and that they think is going to help. And so far it's been helping. And that's, you know, Aaron Gordon. Like, I think that just kind of helped give them all a boost as well. They're like, okay, now, now we can really do something here. Like, yeah, we, not that we couldn't before, but like this helps. But they made a very necessary move too, because they moved off of Gary Harris. Non-existent. Yeah. Non-existent, even though he was going to play good man-to-man defense in the, in the playoffs and the rest of the season and arguably had been all season anyways. But no, I mean like from that spot, you need scoring, you need scoring and some guy that can still contribute on defense as well. 
So they had to move on from Harris and they made a great move. They made a fantastic move to be able to put themselves in a position where they're going to be able to compete. And I don't know. I'm excited about seeing Gordon. He's never really been a player that I've ever played that much attention to outside of like, you know, the dunk contest and stuff, of course, Mr. 50. And he wears number 50 because of this personal vendetta he has against the, the dunk committee. But I don't know. It'll be interesting. I hope he has kind of a renaissance here for himself. And I hope the Denver Nuggets really figure out their closing lineup. Because, I mean, I would imagine that Will Barton's going to be a part of that. But at the same time, like, who can they go out and get that can play that two-guard position? Not Bradley Beal. We've already talked about Bradley Beal. That trade is completely so far out the window. But it just makes me wonder who they can go out and get at that two-guard position to be able to start beside Murray that could really take this team even farther into the next level. You know what I mean? MPJ's gone at that point. You use MPJ to go and get that. But what if it's not, but what if it's just a role player? What if this isn't a star player? What if this isn't somebody that can <laughs> Gary Harris? <laughs> just a, a player that they can go get, maybe sign for a couple million here or there. Somebody that's going to be able to fill the gap a little bit better than Barton is because Barton's getting older. Millsap's His getting three, older too. Millsap's essentially at the end of the rotation right now. Yeah. And that's kind of sucks for him, but he's coming off the bench like 10th guy kind of position so Javante uh, Green's not really or Jermichael Green he's not really in the lineup anymore is he no no and that was something we were both excited about at the beginning of the season too because it was hilarious that he went to them (laughs) yeah but (laughs) I bet he sees a few playoff minutes to eat some fouls yeah and hit a couple open threes Mm -hmm. they want him because that was the problem with Green in the playoffs too for the Clippers was that he was hitting open threes and he seemed like he was getting in shooting rhythm but then you turn around, he's been checked out because he's <laughs> he's gassed. He can't play. Mm-hmm. Like He just doesn't have the stamina, it seems. So I bet the Nuggets are kind of just... See, you know what? what's funny about this is we've gotten 54 minutes at this point and we have not once said Monte Morris's name. Monte Morris is a pivotal part of this Denver Nuggets team and I love Monte Morris because mm-hmm. he's just the perfect backup point guard for them. And he he was great in the bubble last season too. He's just a great 10 and 6 guy. 10.6 assists. Just really getting the ball moving. I feel like he fits in their system so well. He actually asked Mike Malone to continue being the backup point guard because they let Campazzo start over him because he thinks that his role is best suited as being the bench point guard on this team. Hmm. I just think that's crazy that that's just how this this culture is for them. Like, granted, I can't exactly speak on like what I think Denver's entire culture is exactly like because it kind of seems a little murky to me because I've actually been hearing little rumors back and forth about how there's about some people are calling for Mike Malone to get fired. And I kind of wonder why. But at the same time, Maybe I could kind of see why, because maybe he's not the absolute perfect coach for this team, but he has put a pretty good system in place. I think that Malone is really piggybacking off the fact that he has <laughs> a seven-foot unicorn that can conjure any pass out of any situation to get it to the open man because he has 16 eyes on the back of his head. Like, Actually, I was watching that Boston Celtics game and I wrote down a little note here. It says, Malone makes appetizers, Jokic makes them entrees. (laughs) 
Facts. Facts. Right? Uh, right? Yeah, I don't, I don't see a need for Malone to be gone right now by any means. Um, Neither do I. There is the defense, but at some point that comes down to the players and the players that you are going out and getting to um, in terms of building your roster. So like, I'm not going to put that all on Malone. Like defense is effort. It's, he's not the one playing like, yeah, I don't really see, do so I don't see an issue there. I don't know why people would be calling for that. Um, I think that's a detrimental to your continuity at this point while you're on this run. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't like that at all. Uh, at least not at this point in the game this season. Uh, what? Because I don't want to go too much longer because I do have something else to get to. We're running up on an hour. In your opinion, what is this team's ceiling? I think this team's ceiling realistically, making, 100% realistic and honest, is winning the Western Conference Finals in six or seven games against whoever steps up in front of them. Granted, it'd be the Lakers. I think this team has all the potential to make it to the NBA Finals. Like, I don't think there's any reason why we can't count them out. They have the MVP on their team. They have guys that are just flying around around him, making plays, shooting threes, playing defense on the other side. We've already seen them, how this team plays with their backs against the wall. And now that they know that about themselves, I don't see how they could ever count themselves out mentally in any situation. So I just, what do you think? Because that's what I think for this team. This team can make the finals and possibly win. I uh, I said this in the group chat. I said, put this in blood because Mitch was talking some crazy shit about Clippers or Utah. I don't even know who the fuck it was he was talking about, but I say, you can put this in blood. The only team that's coming out of the West other than the Lakers is the Denver Nuggets. Mm. The only team. It's the only team other than the Lakers that I can look at and be like, yep. Yeah, me too. Because Blazers and Mavericks, absolutely no chance. Clippers, okay. You can make an argument. Suns, Suns and Jazz, you're really going to have to impress me. Everybody else from that point, you got the Lakers and you got the Nuggets. And those are the guys. Like yep. they, They're making it. It's either going to be them or... Yeah, it's going to be the Lakers or Denver. And for that to happen, one of them might not make it to the finals, but it's going to be one of them. Or the one of them might not make it to the conference finals. I mean, uh, right. Because who knows what the path is going to be, honestly, where it really depends on where the Lakers fall. Uh it's going to be really interesting to see. This is going to be a crazy fucking postseason. I cannot wait oh, for me it. Either. Uh, me uh, either. The, the energy and drama and everything is just going to be so, so through the roof. So yeah, I'm right there with you with their ceiling. Um, yeah, the NBA Finals is this team's realistic, honest to God ceiling. And I wouldn't be mad if they got there. I really wouldn't. I, I would, would give I. them all the credit. I would be upset in my Lakers, obviously. Uh, but yeah, I would I would be behind them um, going into the finals at that point. I'd definitely be pulling for them. See, you listen to all the talking heads at the NBA, and when they get pulled aside from talking their bullshit that they're usually talking, what do they say about this current league? They say that this is a golden age of the NBA because there's so much good talent. There's so many all-time great players. There's so many great contributors. The league is basically at a high point for everything. And for the Denver Nuggets... In this time frame, 
to show up and win a championship while LeBron James, Kevin Durant, well, while LeBron James and Anthony Davis are on the same team, while on the other side, Kevin Durant, Anthony Davis, or no, uh, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden are all on the same team. While they're all active too, like assuming yeah, like, LeBron and AD come back. Like it's not like Kawhi winning when LeBron's not literally playing, like them yeah. actually playing and probably having to beat them to get to yeah, the finals. Like, probably having to beat LeBron to make and AD. That statement is just insane. It's it's on the same level as Dirk. It's Dirk and the Mavs. Like I know we we put more the of a team effort on though. Dirk. Yeah. Yeah, be, uh, but yeah, Jokic. Right. I mean, what? I mean, Jokic is arguably the closest thing to Dirk. So yeah, I mean, do you think we'll ever see a Jokic fifty piece? I thought we have. Has he really put up? 50 I'm pretty before? sure he put up a fifty piece this season, bro. Maybe. Oh uh, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe yeah. you're right. For some reason, a 50 I was like, because yeah. he's like one of the only uh, like handful of centers who have done it. Like oh, Chamberlain. Let me find it here. Probably Shaq. I can't remember. find it here oh yeah he's put a 50 this season <laughs> it was a season high yeah we talked about that high. i think when it happened even uh but yeah i'm right there with you on that ceiling um so we are over an hour now um i want to give all credit to the denver nuggets though they are a hell of a team uh Mm-hmm. I support them to a certain degree, but if it comes down between a matchup between them and the Lakers, I'm obviously rooting for the Lakers, um, but I would give them full respect and support if they were to beat the Lakers uh, in advance. So, yeah. Uh, I can't wait for this postseason. I guess that's really what it comes down to. And uh, Denver is real. Well, Denver is 100% real. Anybody that says they're not is just trying to hate on them. You're probably a Clippers fan. Yeah, no shit, right? Or a Utah <laughs> fan. Uh, one more take. One more take. I got one. All right. For once, for once, this entire break has allowed me to conjure up a one more take. <laughs> oh, am I going to mine first? Yeah. Yeah. Cause you're oh, ready. Yeah. You're never ready, dude. You got to go. Right. You're right. Let's do it. Fire Terry Stotts. Hire, hire David Vanterpool for the Portland Trailblazers. Bro, this is fucking crazy because I don't know if you saw my tweet that I just put out into the Twitterverse. My, my <laughs> last take, I was going to say, because I put it out into the Twitterverse. Now I'm going to put it out into here in podcast form. My last take was going to be fire Rick Carlisle and fire Terry Stotts, especially because we just started talking about people wanting Mark uh, Malone out of there. No, it's Carlisle and Stotts that needs to go. I don't give a fuck who you replace them with at this point. But yeah, I'm right there with you, bro. So that's hilarious. We had the exact same take. <laughs> that is funny. Although uh, I added Carlisle thing. into that mix. Yeah, but I Carlisle's a legend. That makes it hard for me to want him want to get fired. That man was given Cauley Stein real minutes. You didn't have an option. Uh, <laughs> he didn't have an option. I just wanted to show up to the fucking game if I had to give that fucking joker minutes. <laughs> I would Thank be like, God you know what? I'm actually quitting now. Honestly, I can't do this. <laughs> I don't think it's Carlisle's fault, but he definitely probably needs to go at this point. There is clear, 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 clear times. And I had a, this conversation with uh, one of our uh, followers uh, earlier in the season who we engage a lot with on Twitter. And I think, I believe he listens to the podcast. Um, nice. He's a big Mavs fan. 
but yeah, we were talking about like there's 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 times when there is plays being called that he is clearly the he's clearly making that decision where it's just not smart, man, and it's not <laughs> utilizing the talent that he has uh, to its mm-hmm. full potential. I personally think he should go um, Stotts as well. Uh, I don't know I'm why kinda, they keep coming to I'm that guy's side. Kind of pissed at Terry Stotts. Terry Stotts is a good manager of players, so that's why he gets to hang around. I'm kind of pissed at Terry Stotts right now, though, because I sent you guys that clip of him talking about um, a journalist asked him why Derek Jones Jr. had got moved to the bench in favor of Norm Powell, and <laughs> Terry Stotts basically came out and said that our defense was 29th while Derek Jones Jr. was starting, and now that he's coming off the bench, it's climbed back up to about like 19th. I'm like. Are you for real? I'm like, the team has finally come together. They just now have finally got everyone healthy again. Uh, Like, I mean, even though Nurk isn't the best defensive player, he's the defensive anchor for the team. Like, they have Covington. I I think those minutes, the minutes that... Some minutes should be coming off of Melo and going to Jones. Yeah. Yeah, because Melo is shooting one of the worst. He has one of the worst effective field goal percentages. Actually, what's funny is that I brought up that stat about Donovan Mitchell earlier earlier tonight, and I said that he had one of the worst. Um, Donovan Mitchell is only second to Carmelo Anthony in teams against 500. Think teams about that. Teams that are over 500. What a weird yeah. stat. Because Carmelo Anthony is the worst shooter against teams uh, that are over 500, I guess, and Donovan Mitchell is second. Yeah, those those yeah. mellow minutes should be going to Jones Jr. Because how is this guy ever going to grow if he never gets some minutes? He didn't get the fucking minutes in Miami. Yep. He's not getting the fucking minutes here. He's so versatile, too. He should be getting the minutes. And I hate to see that. He's had huge moments this season on the defensive end of the floor, dude. He, should, he blocked LeBron like twice in a game. I know. I know. And huge yeah, moments. He's coming off the bench. He should be the starting three for the Blazers. Yes, his shooting comes and goes, and it's really not that good to begin with. Just give the guy the fucking minutes, though. He's so fucking versatile. Let him play. The Blazers' starting lineup should be Lillard, McCollum, Jones, Covington, Nurkic. Powell's your sixth man. Goddamn Powell come off the bench and be the sixth man. Because all the Blazers fans are like, oh, but Powell's the spark that they need to keep them going. I'm like, let him come off the bench. Jordan Clarkson is ass. Like, Give him the fucking green light to come off the bench and just eat. And he would. And that's the thing. He would. Let him come off the bench. It, it runs Simons and Simons and Powell. And then, I don't know, throw Mello in there. You, you got can fucking do minutes with Damon. You can do minutes with Damon, pal. Speaking of which, shout out to Ennis Cancer. Big beef it up. Yeah. Oh, 20. dude. No dunks is going crazy over that. Because it was a beef and a half. I was just listening to that one at the gym, dude. They were freaking out. Beef and a half. Big beef in it up. 20 yeah. points, 30 rebounds. One of three players in NBA history to yep. have 20 points and 30 rebounds. No dunks was freaking out about that. Oh, they, Jonas Valachunas also had a big beef that night. So they had two big beefs. So they were just <laughs> fucking freaking out. But yeah, beef and a half for old Ennis Canther. He's already had like <sighs> multiple games this season with 20 rebounds too. This this man is the best offensive rebounder in the NBA, and it's not even close. Yeah, it's nuts, man. Uh, well, we'll go ahead and wrap it up there. Um, we don't. Uh, I'm the one who has. Yeah, to I don't need shit, be. man. 
<laughs> yeah, I don't want to be bursting blood vessels over here about the Portland Trailblazers and how pissed off they make me. I would just do a whole other podcast about that. There we go. We just need we need that footing podcast that lets us to like get back in those that current events. Another freestyle. Yeah, we do need a freestyle. We should hit a freestyle for the next one. That'd be dope. Yeah, we got we got plenty coming up here though for our listeners. We did take some needed time off here and kind of got our mind right back again, but we're ready to get back at it here. Yeah, for sure. We're definitely coming back as strong as ever. Uh, as always, engage with us on Twitter at PodDip on Instagram at the Dip Pod. We always love engagement there. Uh, keep downloading, sharing, and enjoying our podcast. It is available on all streaming platforms where podcasts are available. So get at us, listen, enjoy. We appreciate you all. We appreciate all listeners. Peace. <laughs> Any and all listeners.